church family. I missed you. It's been a couple of weeks, um, but Dave did an amazing job. Thank you, Dave. Troy, that was great last week. Um, kind of a fun, fun week last week, um, but glad that we're here, and uh, we're going to continue on in the book of John. And have you ever lost something? I mean, the worst are your car keys, especially when you're trying to go out the door. Um, your wallet, uh, as, that's funny, I always put my wallet in my desk, and I went like where it usually is right now, and I'm like, <gasps> well, it's not there. But, but there are some important things that when we lose, we get a little desperate, and I, I <sighs> Carrie's going to hate me for this and get very frustrated, but I need to admit something as a father. I had an epic fail with our oldest, Tyler. He was maybe 18 months uh, to two years old, we went to SeaWorld, and Carrie was off doing something. I had Tyler in the, in the stroller, and it was just the little, you know, the little fold-up stroller, and I don't remember when I lost them, but at some point, we're in a store, or somewhere right outside the store, we're, we're near all the shops and stuff, all of a sudden, Tyler's out in the stroller, <laughs> I'm like, uh-oh, and I knew not to even ask Carrie because I knew I was going to be in trouble for that immediately. Um, but at some point, and it wasn't, we're talking seconds, by the way. This wasn't a long, we lost him for hours and hours. Um, but all of a sudden, he's gone. I'm freaking out. Uh, I do tell Carrie, and I got the look. Like, I didn't even have to get the look. Just everything. Like, I knew I was in trouble. So not only, not... 10 feet, 20 feet from where we were was a store with all the shamus and all the, all the good, the stuffed animals and all the toys. And we're kind of looking around real quick, glance, like I said, seconds, okay, seconds, not hours. Sure enough, out comes Tyler with his shamu, probably almost as big as he is. Of course, he didn't pay for it because he didn't have his wallet. But here he is coming out of the store with his shamu and of course, we get the Shamu back, and, and everything's good, and, and it was quiet between Carrie and I for a few hours that day, but, but that was a desperate, like, oh, where's my kid, and especially in a place like that, um, but when we lose something, we're seeking after it, we're, we are aggressively, we've got to find this, um, and as we continue on in the book of John, in chapter 6, we have this crowd who is seeking after Jesus. Um, they start off at the beginning of the chapter. Uh, they've heard about these signs, these, these miracles that, that Jesus has done. Uh, and then they, they just want more. Uh, so read with me John chapter 6, and we're going to read verses 22 to 35. And starting in verse 22, it says, On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there, and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. Uh, when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? And Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. 
Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of, the Lord, of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, as it was written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. So here's the crowd. They, were, they had heard about things Jesus did. They were coming to hear him and to see him. Uh, it was a time when they were hungry. Uh, so then we have the feeding of the, the 5,000, really the 20,000. And we see that miracle. We see that amazing act of God, the sign that Jesus did, uh, that they got to experience. Uh, so not only were they following him to see the signs that he was doing, they actually got the taste of this miracle, the sign of the bread and fish. And then they're like, we like this guy. Let's make him king. Uh, let's, let's have him. He's going to take care of us. He's going to feed us well. He's going to show us all these great signs. Uh, and then all of a sudden, Jesus disappears. Uh, the disciples leave on the boat. The crowd sees that. But, but they kind of assume Jesus was still there. Uh, well, then they realize, well, Jesus isn't there. Uh, where is he? And they go to seek him. And they get into the boats and head over uh, where the disciples and Jesus ended up. Uh, and by the way, they never saw that Jesus calmed the waters. That was that, was that sign, that act of, of, of God that Jesus did with the disciples only. Um, so they weren't aware of that. But they're really curious now because they get over there, they see Jesus, and they're like, wait a second, we didn't see you get on the boat with the disciples. No other boats left. How did you get over there? And instead of ex explaining that to them, they, he explains to them, look, it's not about what you've seen or what you've experienced. It's who I am. And he goes into this discussion about being the bread. Um, but they got into the boats, they went to go, they were looking for Jesus. And who wouldn't want to participate in this Jesus experience, right? You see signs and miracles, you get free food. Uh, so the crowd was seeking him, and they knew, Jesus knew what was going on this whole time. Uh, because they were like, hey, how'd you do that? And he said, truly, truly, I say to you, you were seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. So not, now they are not only finding and seeking after God, or Jesus himself, who has done these, signs, these miraculous miracles, these signs that would point more blatantly to God. They, they want the free food. Uh, so there, even there's this digression of their pursuit and the reason why. Um, but Jesus knew that this would happen because it was his plan all along. I love back up in verse 5 and 6. 
of chapter 6 that Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? And he said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Jesus knew he was going to feed the 5,000. Um, he set up Philip to kind of test him, uh, to kind of see where it, Philip's faith is, the other disciples. Jesus knew all along that there was going to be uh, this experience where he was going to, to share the loaves and fish with everyone that was there. Um, and there's some practical reasons for that, because hanger is a real issue, right? Have you ever tried to step, what's, what's one of the number one rules when you have a test the day, that morning for school? You need to eat a healthy breakfast, right? You need to have some nutrients because uh, hanger sets in when you're hungry, you're distracted, you can't think of these things. And Jesus knew as we, we work through chapter 6 that he was going to give them some depth, uh, some, a real picture of who he is as Messiah, who he is as Savior and Lord. And he had to make sure that this crowd was fed. Uh, and so he knew he was going to set this up with, with an object lesson, feed them, show them this miracle, knowing that he was going to use this, explaining the bread of life, that he is the bread, and that they need him more than just regular bread. So here's this object lesson. Jesus knew all of this was going to happen. But he also knew that some, if not most of the crowd, were going to be satisfied to just get free food. Uh, just have something in their bellies to be satisfied. They didn't have to go shopping. They didn't have to go hit, you know, Chick-fil-A, McDonald's, whatever. Jesus was going to provide that. But they weren't seeking Jesus for the right reason. They weren't seeking Jesus the right way. And they definitely got stuck just enjoying the signs and not where the signs pointed to, not the destination. So I want us to kind of break down this passage of, of the crowd seeking Jesus, the ways they did it, the, the mistakes they made, and then how that applies to us. How is our search for Jesus? So seeking Jesus for the right reason, verse 27 Said, do, Jesus said, do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. And there is some food that we enjoy now um, that seems to endure, right? Have you been to Olive Garden? How many of you, and I, I, I would say I've learned my lesson over the years, but not really. When those breadsticks come out, I eat too many of them, right? And when my meal comes, I don't really finish my meal. Now it's good for leftovers. Um, but there, there are some bread that kind of, or some food that kind of sticks with you and you're enjoying and all of a sudden you're, you, you have your fill. So sometimes it seems like it lasts forever. You're full. Chipotle will do that for me. I'll eat it and I don't, I'm not hungry the rest of the day. Jesus is talking about so much more here. Uh, about that there is food. Our, the, the natural food is going to perish. Natural food is only going to last in your system for a while, and then you're going to be hungry again. But there is food for the soul that's essential. There is this food that only Jesus can provide, this bread that will give sustenance and life for eternity. Uh, and this is what Jesus is talking about. But they, all they wanted was the free food. They wanted the, the easy, uh, the, the physical bread, the physical food that Jesus was gonna, going to provide. 
They wanted their stomachs filled, but they weren't really seeking Jesus for the right reasons. Um, They did not have a sense of their sin. They didn't have their sense of the separation from God the Father. They didn't understand that Jesus was Messiah, that he was the only one that could save them from their sin, save them from this life that was going to send them uh, into an eternity in hell. It was that Jesus provided life. They're missing all of that. Because they're so just looking right at what is in front of them. So they sought Jesus only for what he could do for them materially. They had no sense of the desperate need that they were in. And by the way, this verse doesn't mean that we should quit our job and take a vow of poverty either. Uh, Do not work for food that perishes. Um, Jesus is showing this contrast of our priorities. Uh, Because how many times do we get caught up in the busyness of life? Make sure the bills are paid. Make sure there is food on the table. And we get so caught up that we miss a lot of extra time in seeking Jesus and having our priorities messed up. Mark 8, 36 says, For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? Uh, We can get caught up in the the busyness of church and miss the real reason for worship and the real purpose to come seeking Jesus. Uh, we should not be so caught up in working for, to put food on the table um, because all of this stuff is going to perish. And it doesn't last. We're going to get hungry again. The true pursuit, the number one priority should be seeking Jesus and all that we do. So there's seeking Jesus for the right reason and then the right way. In verse 28 and 29, says, Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him who he has sent. And they thought they had to do something to be right with God. They were like, Okay, well, here's these things that you say are of God. What, what, how can we do these things? Uh, what works can we do uh, so that we can be like you, that we can, we can have these things of God. And Jesus tells them the only work that you can do is not to work, but rather just simply believe in me, the one whom the Father has sent to provide life, eternal life, salvation through my death and resurrection. And again, they're not ready for that, and a lot of them are missing that. But it's not a treasure hunt, is it? Uh, they're, They're not steps to go through. They're not Uh, different steps or certain tasks that we have to accomplish before we get to experience Jesus. Uh, It is not that we have to go, you know, this path and then this path and then turn over here and wait a while and, you know, hit this different level of maturity in our faith. No, it's simply come and believe in Jesus as Lord and as Savior. It is faith in Christ alone that saves. Uh, Romans 4 says that now to the one who works, his wages aren't credited as a favor, but as what is due. So if you're working, you need to get paid, okay? But to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited as righteousness. There's nothing that we can do to, to receive this salvation. It is a gift of God. It is given to us. And Jesus is trying to explain this 
that this bread has been given to you. You didn't do anything to deserve it. To seek Jesus the right way is, is to only be able to come to him as guilty, helpless sinners. Uh, we bring nothing to the table when it comes for this exchange of our salvation for our lives. There, there is nothing that we can bring. It is up to believing in Christ as Lord and Savior and trusting entirely in what he did for us when he died on the cross. And we get stuck in that, don't we? Religion that rests on grace rather than works is always difficult to understand or accept, right? We, we always feel like we need to be, well, God, I need to do something for you. There's got to be something I've got to do. You know, I failed over here in this part of my life. I, I've got to do something to make up for it. I've got to do some act, some work for you so that you will, you will love me more. And, and we get caught up in that. And we need to understand that there is nothing that we can do. Uh, it is this free gift of grace uh, that, that Jesus simply says, come and believe. That's all that we can do. It's like if we're jumping on an airplane, okay, you've got to fully trust the engineering of the plane. You've got to fully trust the pilot. It makes no sense. Now, nowadays, you can't walk up to the, you know, the front cabin and ask to help the pilot out. You'd probably get arrested. But it makes no sense for you to kind of give your insight and input into what the pilot should be doing, right? It doesn't help for you to go and uh, examine the airplane, make sure that there are no holes in the wings or any. That, it makes no sense to do that. When we fly, we put our full trust. And here's this picture uh, of our salvations. There is nothing that we bring. It is simply a step of faith, simply to come and believe that Jesus is Lord, and then we, it is a full, absolute surrender of our mind, of our body, everything, and full surrender to Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Uh, and so here's Jesus trying to explain to them, there's nothing that you can do, there's no works of God that you can try to accomplish on your own. It is simply the work of God that you need to do is just to come and to believe. Uh, to, to understand who I am as Savior and Lord. And then seeking Jesus is about the destination, not the signs, right? And we've talked about this over the last few weeks. There's, a, there's these signs all throughout John pointing to who Jesus is as Messiah, as God. And they're so, like, enthralled with the signs. Now, there are some great signs out there, right? Um, any road trip, every state sign, you know what I mean? There's a little celebration in our car. Um, my favorite of all time is any sign as we pull into Disneyland or Disney World. You know, you just, you understand. And it's not about the sign. I've never stopped and pulled over to, uh, to enjoy the sign of Disneyland, right? No, because I know where I'm going to go. I know what I have to look forward to. And this Jesus is, is showing them these signs that help point them to him. But it's not about just the signs. It's not about the benefit of these great miraculous things that Jesus is doing or the, the free food you get. It's about where you're going to end up. And that is in a relationship with the Messiah, with Jesus. And the crowd began seeking Jesus because of the signs they saw, then the free food, 
not realizing that the destination is Jesus. Uh, let me read to you verses 30 to 31, 30 and to 33. says, and they said to him, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. So here's this thing has got to be frustrating Jesus is he's shown the sign but yet they are like man you know that was a really cool sign we know that Moses did some amazing things and there's the there's these signs that we need need to prove that God is in this so here's in spite of Jesus miraculous feeding of the 20,000 they're asking for more I hear Jesus is fed a large crowd, but Moses fed an entire nation. Jesus did it once. Moses did it for 40 years. Uh, Jesus provided ordinary bread, just the loaves and fish from the, the boy. Moses gave them bread out of heaven. So they're saying, okay, Jesus, you gave us a little sign. Uh, let's say you do a big one like Moses did. You know, let's, let's see the big stuff, right? Then we'll believe in you. Uh, and here Jesus is just frustrated. And he comes back to them, showing them how much greater he is than Moses. Jesus' reply first was to say that it wasn't Moses who gave them the manna, it was God. Okay, a great gift, but Moses didn't provide that. That came from God. The second was that the manna wasn't true bread, this living bread, because people who ate it still died. They still got hungry. And by the way, after 40 years, you're probably sick of manna. Um, and so you just kind of take it for granted. And you get frustrated. So, so much greater. Uh, but this bread that Jesus is providing is life-giving bread. It is he. And, and we're going to get to that, that he finally claims it is I am the bread. Sent down from heaven who gives life to the world. So now this greater picture of not just those who are there to enjoy more bread. But this life-saving bread is going to be for the entire world. Oh, and this life-giving bread is ongoing. Outlasting these 40 years that, that Moses provided, or had, Moses didn't provide, God provided the bread. And by the way, don't get me started about the water. Okay, remember Jesus calmed the, the Sea of Galilee? All of Moses did, and by the way, it wasn't Moses again, it was God, um, split the Red Sea. Uh, for the Israelites to come through. So, so much greater is this, these signs of Jesus as Messiah, as God. They wanted more signs when the irony is that all the signs were pointing to Jesus, who was literally standing right in front of them. Uh, this whole discourse through the rest of chapter 6, he is in the synagogue in Capernaum. So, they're having this back and forth. Jesus is right in front of them, and they're missing the destination. They're missing the place that these signs and, that, and who these signs are pointing to. Um, and how many times do we got, get caught up in our own seeking of Jesus and searching that we, sometimes we, God, give me a sign when literally he's right there in front of us. And the crowd still wasn't getting it. 
Look at verse 34. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Now this is exactly like what the Samaritan woman at the well said, right? He's talking about living water. She's like, you mean I don't have to keep going back and forth to the well to get water? There's that kind of water? Yeah, give me that. So they still weren't getting it, and he's talking about this bread that that that's all they're going to need for the rest of their life. They're like, that's great. I don't really have to work. You know, any of my work, my income could be a little side hustle. I, I have enough food if I never have to eat again or never have to worry about working from this bread. Then, yeah, give us this bread always. But people today, even today, still want Jesus only for the benefits that he can give. And how many times do we, even myself, think, man, Jesus, I really need this in my life. Uh, and, you know, show me a sign. Show me something that you're going to do. Uh, but this group, the majority, I think, of, of this crowd was not ready for salvation, not ready for a Messiah, not understanding who he is. And Jesus finally tells them straight out in verse 35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. And we were going to start there next week. But as Jesus makes this claim as I am the bread of life, uh, there are going to be these seven statements of I am about who he is and what he means for us. And so this section of chapter 6, I really wanted us to understand the seeking of Jesus. Uh, to understand that to seek Jesus is simply to come and believe. And let me end with this question for all of us, but I'll give it to you. How is your search going? Well, you could sit there and say, well, I've already found Jesus. I've got my relationship with him. He's in my heart. I've found him. And that's great. But seeking Jesus is about pursuing a relationship with him. Okay? I found my wife. I found an amazing woman, Mary Carey. It'll be, yeah, 32 years ago. Right? My marriage, I'm not, it's not complete after that wedding day, right? Well, I got my wife. You know, snagged me a good one. No, there's still a pursuit, isn't there? There's still a pursuit in that my relationship with my wife. I've already found her, but I better keep seeking her. By the way, always date your spouse. Some marriage advice. There's always a pursuit. There's always a seeking after Carrie in my relationship. I can't get enough of her. In our relationship with Jesus, ah, I'm saved made it, you know, go, go hang out and worship and thank him once in a while during Lord's Supper. No, where's our searching and seeking and pursuing him in our life always? We should never be satisfied with enough Jesus in our life. We need to always be about seeking him. Seeking Jesus means actively pursuing more. It's digging into God's word and never getting enough. We should never be satisfied. Well, I've read it. You know, I've probably read it all the way through multiple times. There's nothing new in here. No, there is. We need to be into God's word. Uh, it's spending time and talking to God in prayer. A gift that we have access to at all times. When's the last time that we pursued him? Not just with our to-do list or our needs list, you know, and some friends who are sick. No, when have we wanted to go talk? Carrie would be so frustrated if all I, all I did was come home from work, 
give her some business, and like, hey, can you do this for me? And then we're done. No, I need to, to share with her how much I love and adore her. When is the last time in our prayer that we spent a majority of our time worshiping and adoring and loving on Jesus? Um, the seeking of him. It's fellowshipping and growing together in a church family. Taking every advantage to be in Bible study together or serving and doing life together. Uh, there needs to be the seeking of Jesus and grabbing others and doing the same pursuit of all things of Jesus. Yes, we have our salvation. And I pray if you don't, that you will come and ask questions about what it means to be a Christian and a, a follower, to simply come and believe. But even when we have him, there needs to be a constant pursuit. And maybe there's been a time in need that we've sought after Jesus and didn't see the signs to prove that he was there. How, how many frustrating hours I've spent. God, I just need something. Show me that you're there when he's literally right in front of us the whole time. Um, and so let's not miss Jesus in our life. Yes, we have eternal life. We have our ticket to heaven. We're set. Um, Christ is in our, in our heart. Uh, we have this relationship, but let's continue to seek after Jesus and not get lulled into the satisfied situation of, well, I've got enough Jesus. I know I'm going to heaven. No, there's so much more to that. Are we seeking Jesus as much as we should? Are we actively pursuing our relationship with God? Are we satisfied with just enough Jesus to feel okay? Or do we hunger for more? Let me close with this verse, and then we'll go into a time of invitation and then Lord's Supper. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, You will seek me, and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. And let that be our prayer today. And as we continue on into this year, continue on in the rest of our life, that we are seeking Jesus with all of our heart. And this is a great reminder of thankfulness and worship uh, to our Savior in our time of Lord's Supper, you know, to do this in remembrance of him. And we shouldn't have to be reminded so much and just at these worship events. It should be a pursuit of ours at all times. Father, I thank you for this reminder this morning of how much you love us, how this life-giving bread, uh, who is Christ and Christ alone, has sustained us, has given us um, this life to be able to live, uh, not just for eternity, but here and now. Father, I pray that you awaken our hearts uh, to the need for you in our life, that we continue to be passionate to seek after you in all things, to search for you and to worship you more more today than we did yesterday. Father, thank you for this time, and I pray that you are glorified in every moment of it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.